And hello, 8.06 in the evening. We're KMOX at your service on a Thursday night. George Sells in with you for the next three hours up until 11 o'clock. Lots to talk about. And of course, because the Cardinals had the day off. Boy, that was, I was having a lot of fun listening to Kevin's show uh, leading up to this. This bizarre, like Turkish bazaar of trades and all sorts of baseball maneuvers going on right now. That's a lot of fun. That is a lot of fun. And some of these trades sound like something out of a fantasy baseball league, too. I mean, the thing the Dodgers are doing, you got to be kidding me. But I digress. I'll tell you about a little bit about what we're going to be getting into this evening. We'll be talking in our first hour about a variety of things that in different ways have to do with the COVID-19 situation, but not all of them, just the, the basic news. Uh, among them, if you're a sports fan still joining us, hang out for a little bit because we're going to talk about something in Congress uh, that is intended to help bail out minor league baseball. A lot of problems for minor league franchises. We're going to be talking to the folks from the Gateway Grizzlies coming up later on. Also, uh, a restaurant group, a very well thought of restaurant group here in St. Louis, you may have heard, has basically made the decision that if you're going to eat inside their restaurant, you're going to be vaccinated. They will politely ask you to sit outside if you're not. We'll talk to those folks about that decision, why they made it, and uh, just you know, how people are reacting to it thus far. To this point, they've had a pretty good reception, it sounds like. But where we're going to start is kind of just a little wraparound of the day's news. Because if you listen to just to Sean's newscast and any newscast throughout the day, there's all these little tidbits coming from all over the place all of a sudden as the COVID-19 information flows in and the conflicts locally and the stuff nationally and why are we not wearing masks and then wearing masks and why did the Centers for Disease Control change their mind? They're explaining themselves a little bit. So starting there, I mean, we can start with the Cardinals. This probably isn't the most weighty of the issues involved, but it's certainly something that affects a lot of folks here in St. Louis. And it's the fact that the Cardinals are going back to mask requirements in indoor spaces at Bush Stadium. So if you get into one of those club rooms or something like that, those high-priced, all-inclusive tickets, you're going to be needing to wear a mask when you are in the indoor areas. This also goes for Ballpark Village. If you go down there and want to hang out and watch games, you're going to be wearing a mask for the time being. And that would be the Cardinals following along with both the centers for, excuse me, centers of disease control advice nationally and, of course, the mask mandate that exists right now in the city. That has stayed in place so far. The one in the county, meanwhile, as we move on down the list, uh, a little less clear, obviously. Dr. Sam Page issued the mandate. The county council conducted a vote saying that they were overturning the mandate. County council says, we have the power. Dr. Page says, no, I have the power. And so, really, who do you believe at this point? You walk into a schnooks out in St. Louis County and you're told there's a mask mandate. You need to wear a mask. Well, who do you believe? And that is something that's obviously going to be settled in the courts if it, if it lasts long enough to need to be settled in the courts. Sometimes these things work themselves out. Meanwhile, uh, out in Jefferson City, Eric Schmidt has filed a suit to knock out these mask mandates and he also asked for a restraining order last night, basically to 
get a judge to declare that people are being damaged by this and to immediately put the thing on hold. So question number one, and there's going to be a hearing on that tomorrow in front of a judge, I believe in Cole County. And question number one in that whole thing is, does it exist? They almost have to rule on whether or not the county council movement is the real deal or if Dr. Page's decision, though his order, is what stands. Then, once they decide that, then they have to decide if the suit has enough bearing to file a restraining order. So that's going to be complicated as well. Aren't we all glad we didn't go to law school? I understand why those people have headaches staying up late and reading through all this stuff and trying to understand it because that is very, (laughs) very unclear at this point. So let's do this. Let's open the phone lines if you want to call in and Talk about any of this stuff. Give us your view on any of this that's going on. The phone lines are open 314-436-7900. That's 314-436-7900-800-925-1120 if you are a little further out. Give us a call on those fronts. Meanwhile, there is still more of this stuff to go through. I I stopped in the middle. I kind of stopped at the local stuff, but you can then head to Washington. And what's going on there is also very interesting. President Biden making an address to the nation today to talk about a variety of things. One of them is where he is really just trying to encourage people to get vaccinated. And we've been down and behind on these vaccination numbers for some time now. And the president is trying to get that to kick up again. That is that's his goal here is to get people to get out and to get vaccinated. And what he's telling people is not being vaccinated is going to be more and more uncomfortable that more businesses are going to require it. Like we'll be talking about a little bit later on, all sorts of things like that. Here's a little bit of what the president had to say about that. I think you're going to find the patience of businesses and the patience of a lot of other people running thin, because the fact is, if you had high vaccination rates, you, we wouldn't be in this spot right What I'm trying to do is keep people safe. I mean that sincerely. So, if in fact you're unvaccinated, you present a problem to yourself, to your family, and to those with whom you work. And the biggest news out of all that is he went on to say that he is essentially going to order masks, issue a mask mandate for federal employees. Now, they will have the choice not to wear a mask, but if they make that choice, they will have to submit to tests every week if they're going to keep going to keep their job. So that's your first big step in this direction in all that's going on. You know, we've been hearing about businesses over and over again saying, you know, they're going to require their people to wear masks. It was the state of California, New York, Google and Facebook both issued things also. And now the, the big shoe drops. The largest employer in the United States is the federal government, and here we go with that. So federal employees, if you're out there, would like to hear what you think about this. Meanwhile, as far as the mask mandate and how it's affecting folks who can't wear a mask, this is Cheryl in Collinsville. Cheryl, you're on KMOX. Hi, Cheryl. I just lost Cheryl. Cheryl, call us back if you got if you have a moment, and we'll try to get you on here. Uh she was wanting to talk about how the masks, the mask mandate affects people who can't wear a mask. Now, 
there are some people who have troubles with that. Uh, you hear varying stories. I, I'm really interested in what she had to say because that is a that is a challenge, certainly. So a lot of this stuff is going on. One other thing. Oh, Cheryl's calling back. We'll get Cheryl here on the phone. Give us one second, and she can tell us what she has to say. We're going to get this get this in the chamber here, so Cheryl can get on with us. Hey, Cheryl, welcome to KMOX. Hi, sorry about that. I'm in the car, and I guess I hit a dead dead zone. <laughs> no worries. Anyway, yeah, I have a medical condition that prevents me from wearing a mask, and as soon as I could, I made arrangements to be snuck into the back of the office of of Walgreens so I could get my vaccination. So that as soon as the mask mandate was dropped, I would be able to go places again. And basically, I have spent since last March cooped up in my house, not able to go anywhere. My husband's legally blind, so I drive him to the store and sit in the car while he fumbles around and buys stuff that he thinks is right and it's just i just feel like i'm being punished because i have done everything i could to keep myself and everyone else safe and now i'm back to being a prisoner in my own home i can't even imagine the frustration there uh, now are you you're over on the illinois side of the river or are you on the st louis side of the river because different sets of rules but uh, what do you what are you dealing with exactly right now are you in a place where there's a mandate um i'm on the illinois side of the river but i my job is in um st louis county so we've worked out a deal that i can do like sideline work just so i can keep my job but it's not really what I'm supposed to be doing. Well, what do you think, Cheryl? Obviously, that's, like I said, you're, you're a special case. You're a unique case. And uh, the level of frustration you're dealing with, I can't even imagine. I do wonder what you think, though, when they, because tonight, uh, one of the other pieces of news that came along was the Centers for Disease Control being a little more specific of why uh, they've gone back to the mask mandate, and basically the newest research is finding that this Delta variant can carry tremendous amounts of the virus in the nose and throat of a person who is vaccinated, and they won't they won't show any signs of illness. They'll just carry it around and spread it, and that it, supposedly it can even be spread f- through masks, but it's much less likely so, and that's why they have gone back to this mask mandate. It's got to be, and as somebody, as you said, who wants to take care of those around them and take care of you and your loved ones, uh, that's got to make this whole thing even more confusing because uh, certainly you don't want to risk getting somebody else sick. Exactly. So... I just want to encourage everyone to get vaccinated. I mean, because that's the only way we're going to stop this. Well, Cheryl, thank you so much for calling in. And uh, if you don't want to hear it from me, hear it from Cheryl. If you get that opportunity, make the opportunity. Go out and go ahead and get vaccinated. 817 on the clock. This is X at your service, and we'll be back in just a moment. Nearly a century of informing, entertaining, and serving St. Louis. KMOX. KMOX at your service on a Thursday night. My name is George Sells. In in a time slot that would normally be filled with Cardinal Baseball, 
they're obviously off today, but we're going to talk a little bit of baseball, and it kind of dives in with all of the issues going on with COVID-19 and the very tough financial situations that so many businesses have been in. Uh, These were existential times for minor league baseball clubs. A lot of them folded up, and a lot of them are still struggling to get by. Now, word out of the U.S. Senate that there is bipartisan legislation. Yes, the two parties working together. Who knew? Bipartisan legislation aimed toward taking some of the coronavirus money that is still there, about $500 million, and putting it toward a bailout, so so to speak, for minor league baseball. Joining me right now to help us talk about this and understand what's been going on is Steve Gomrick. He is with the Gateway Grizzlies over there in Southern Illinois. And thanks for joining us here on KMOX, Steve. Thanks, George. Glad to be here. Well, Steve, tell me, first of all, you guys have been through the same thing that so many other businesses were. Uh, Describe a little bit what it has been like for you guys just trying to keep the lights on over the last year and a half. Sure. Um, You know, we... We've been we've been trying to do the best, you know, since the you know I would say the spring of 2019 when we were shut down to put on smaller events. I call them extra events, high school level, grade school level events that that can you know bring in you know some revenue sources, but that's barely enough to 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 like you said keep the lights on. Um, I think that's been the case across minor league baseball that you've seen a real financial pressure put on these teams that have essentially been shut down and had their last actual uh, full like payday since Labor Day of 20, you know, I would, you, you 2018 was probably the, the last time you had full minor league baseball games being played. So imagine that, that you hadn't had your, your real revenue source, come in since the fall of 2018 and or excuse me the fall of 2019 and so you you sat there for almost 18 full months to two years without having you know a a regular your regular revenue sources now you guys tried to get on along with uh the bill that was that helped out the performance arts more really there was stuff aimed at broadway and all that sort of thing and Tell me a little bit about what that interaction was like, and it didn't quite get there on the behalf of minor league baseball. And this, it seems like this bill is kind of aimed at correcting that. But what has that frustration been like watching a lot of businesses? I mean, nobody was taken care of, so to speak, but they at least got a little bit of a leg up, and you guys are sitting there watching things go down yeah, the drain. I, I don't think it was. I wouldn't call it. I mean, frustration would be. You know, I think. I think there was a certain level of frustration. Uh, to give you some some you know some retrospect, we we lobbied Congress because we heard of the Save Our Stages Act, and it was for you know performing arts and for for all of the 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 you know industry that was shut down uh, in New York, and and it was really uh, Schumer who was the Democrat that led the Save Our Stages Act. You know he was really targeting that, but you know, along the same lines, that industry that was hit so hard. In, 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 on the stage and, and the and the music and the you know the dancers that that were involved in that the same thing happened to baseball at the minor league level you know we we were shut down like we like like we discussed earlier for 18 months to 24 months and and when we tried to to quote unquote piggyback onto that we were told to wait 
it's not going to go through. This is already a done deal. And, you know, if you wait, then you can lobby later on when there's another round of this. So, you know, after all that lobbying and being told to wait, this this was basically, I don't want to say promise, but this was the direction that minor league teams were given was get together, go lobby Congress when there's another round or if there's money left over, then then there's a good chance that you'll be there and have bipartisan support for, for this type of relief, you know, in the, in, in, later on. And, and now, I guess, is later on. So and I would hopefully s- I would suspect that. Well, I would suspect that. Uh, yeah, this is every man sort of stuff. This is across geographic lines, across political lines. There are minor league ball clubs in hundreds and hundreds of American cities and towns. So I would think it wouldn't be too hard to get folks on board with that politically. Yeah, it, it is. If you come to a Gateway Grizzlies games, a Gateway Grizzlies games, I'm not asking you for a Republican or a Democrat. And we don't hire baseball players based off of their political affiliation or people working in our concession stands or working our ticket offices. You know, minor league baseball is across America. It's in rural America. It's in inner city America. It's in the metro, you know, metro areas in the in the country. So this this is not, if anything, it, it crosses the political divide. We want everybody to come to a Gateway Grizzlies game. How does it feel to see that it looks like you're getting some progress finally? I think that it's, I think that it will take a lot of pressure off of, or at least hopefully this will take a lot of pressure off of people in in an industry that have had a tremendous amount of financial pressure put on it over the past two years. And I, I think this is what, you know, government should do. It should act bold in times like this, that that they recognize, like, this was an industry that was decimated. And, and, and keep in mind, it wasn't just, like, the baseball industry. It was the ancillary industries around us as well that were affected so much, like our hotels and our buses and just even, like, a scoreboard company that, that we work with. All of those companies that are ancillary to us, their support has gone away as well. So, like, there's a lot of financial ramifications to just – you know, not just supporting minor league baseball. When you do that, you're supporting a lot of the industries in the area that that benefit from that almost in the, the you know, the quote unquote trickle down effect. A lot of clubs didn't make it through. And I know that in your case, you're an independent, meaning you're not you're not tied to a major league ball club. Did that work to your advantage a little bit because a lot of the smaller, the rookie league clubs, uh, a ball clubs got folded by the teams that they've been affiliated with for years. Well, I, I don't know that that, the, that, that reduction of minor league teams by major league baseball was well, was well underway before, uh, COVID hit. And I, I think that, that is not, you know, to say that they folded because of that isn't exactly accurate. I think that that was Major League Baseball uh, recognizing that they needed to have a more uniform process with their minor league system. And it was coming, you know, down the road for a couple of years. I think that COVID, you know, accelerated that process. I think that it 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 really put a pressure on some of those teams that were hoping to go into independent baseball and in the frontier league, you know, under this new rearrangement or new organization of minor league baseball, the frontier league, which the gateway Grizzlies are a part of, 
was named a Major League Baseball Partner League. So, in essence, we are the Frontier League and the American Association and the Atlantic League, all these independent leagues, are now serving the roles that a lot of these minor league teams had once served. We're, we're developing the players that were once in the single-A teams uh, that, were, that were cut or the rookie ball teams that were cut. So the level of baseball at our level has increased dramatically under this new, you know, arrangement of minor league baseball. And, and I think ultimately, um, am I glad that the Gateway Grizzlies are still open? Absolutely. And, and am I excited about a 2021 season? Um, not as much so as I not as much so as I will be to see a 2022 season. Let's put it that way. And before I let you go. If for folks who haven't been to a Gateway Grizzlies game before, what can they expect? Um, affordable family fun. Uh, you can come to a Gateway Grizzlies game with $50 in your pocket and leave with change for a family of four. And I think that, that that's, that's what we bring um, to the community. We give you an affordable alternative. And, and like I said, we're here, we're here for the families. We're here for the community. We're here to have fun. All righty. Well, Steve Gomrick of the Gateway Grizzlies, thank you so much for joining us on KMOX. Okay, thank you, George. And it's 832. Plenty of stuff to unpack in all this. Give us a call. Phone lines are open, 314-436-7900. I'm George Sells. Back in a moment. Get the inside story on what's happening with your St. Louis Cardinals this season directly from the Redbirds manager. It's the Mike Schilt Show, Sunday mornings at 1015, sponsored by Bath Fitter, on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. And we're back, KMOX, at your service on a Thursday night. And with all the talk of masking and vaccines and the various rules for being indoors, one restaurant group here in town is doing something you're going to probably see more and more of. They basically decided if you want to eat inside, you have to have had a vaccination. That's the rule, and that's what they're going to go with. We're joined now by Ben Paremba. He is with Olio, Elia, and Nixta, and the Benevolent King, all down in South City, some fantastic restaurants. Ben, thanks for joining us here on KMOX. Pleasure being here. Ben, tell me, first of all, when you arrived at this decision, did you realize it was going to get as much attention as it has? Uh, well, I suspected as much with uh, you know how polarized our society has become. Uh, you can hardly do anything uh, without uh, getting you know, some, some level of exposure. And so we, uh, we suspected, but uh, I have to say that, you know, we've, we've received overwhelming, uh, overwhelming support uh, and great words of encouragement from our guests and uh, from others. And so uh, we feel reaffirmed and vindicated that we've made the right choice, the right decision. Tell me what led you to this, because everybody's dealing with the same set of problems and uh, the different regulations and changes and all that sort of stuff. How did you decide that you were just going to go this, go the distance with this? Well, um, you know, we we we, we all see, uh, you know, uh, the scientific data. Uh, uh, we also see what other countries are doing. You know, I'm a, I'm an immigrant, and and I see what the kind of things that are happening in my home country of Israel. Um, and, and the words are out there. I mean, the, the, it's, it's the, the, the message is written on the wall. You know, you have to get vaccinated and, and, uh, you know, 
you have to wear masks and you have to take the precautions in order to uh, to fight uh, to win this fight against COVID. And uh, you know, this past 18 months are still very fresh in my memory. Uh, we also uh, have seen tremendous amount of uh, of comeback. You know, great business. Uh, people want to come and support us. And so I just I just want to go back to business as normal, and I want to make sure that uh, we're not making the mistakes. Uh, that we've made 18 months ago and, and that we take all the, the serious precautions. And it's just, it's, I feel like, you know, there's a consensus in the scientific community and the expert community that those are the things, those are the things that are going to make us uh, win. And so it, for me, it was a, a, not an easy by any means, but a, but a very logical, responsible thing to do. How difficult has this last 18 months or so been? I mean, you've got, Four, four businesses, basically, you're trying to run, all the people you employ. And obviously, I'm sure you were doing a lot of the, the carryout and stuff that a lot of restaurants were doing, but this has to have been a challenge for you just to keep the doors open and the lights on. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, you know, the story is, is kind of familiar with uh, with many other restaurants. I mean, we're not unique in this regard. It's been surreal. You know, we've done what we could do to uh, to uh, to stay to stay afloat, uh, and um, I feel like we've done a you know a good job you know innovating and and powering through. So yeah, I mean it's been a surreal experience. I mean, but but I don't I don't and I think that everyone's had you know the same kind of uh, you know, experience. Um, so, well, tell me your first reactions that you got when you made this announcement and you put the sign up on the wall and you had customers in for the first night. Uh, did most people already know about it, or were they hearing about it as they arrived? And what kind of reactions were they giving you? I, uh, the, mess, the, uh, the letter that uh, me and uh, my director of operations, Patrick Hassett, uh, posted on our social media, you know, propagated very, very quickly. Um, you know, we've had immediately, we've had many, many emails, uh, you know, encouraging us, thanking us for, for doing this. Uh, my father, who's 74 years old, you know, called me up and uh, and told me that you know he's, he's really uh, uh, feels uh, uh, proud that I've made this decision, and you know that that felt really good. Um, some of the more interesting uh, things we've received, uh, not interesting, but some of the more encouraging messages we've received were from healthcare workers, doctors, and nurses. My personal doctor uh, called me to congratulate and say this is really really important. We, you know, we appreciate the stance you're taking, and uh, I received an amazing, an amazing letter from a nurse uh, who uh, treated COVID patients uh, for the past 18 months, and uh, and really uh, a letter that really moved me, and 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 you know, basically reaffirmed that this was the the really the right call. And you know, we're not refusing anyone from coming to a restaurant. I mean, I think that we're asking for a very, very small sacrifice. If you're not vaccinated, tell us the truth. And you'll get to sit in one of our beautiful patio tables outside, which are very sought after as it is. Um, you know, that, that's all. Do you expect other restaurants to follow suit? Have you heard from any of the other restaurateurs in town? Well, we've heard this morning that uh, Danny Meyer, who's a St. Louis native and he's a pioneer in, uh, in our industry, I and mean, he runs uh, one of the most admired restaurant groups in the world, uh, you know, Union Square Hospitality announced the same kind of measures, uh, mandating his employees to be vaccinated and requiring proof of vaccination for his guests uh, so they can eat indoors. So I think it's, uh, I think, I, I hope that it's uh, something that's going to become the, the norm. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan that, you know, when government can do certain things, it's the role of the 
business community, business leaders uh, to step in and and uh, and uh, take that leadership. And so uh, I think that's I think that's important that it's a decision that comes from our from our business owners, from our business leaders. And uh, I hope to see more of it. I know that uh, locally, Centene uh, is is requiring kind of the same thing. I know that Facebook and, and Google are requiring their employees to be vaccinated. And so I, I think that it's an important. Uh, you know, trend. Um, so, yeah, here in Missouri, does it does it frustrate you at all when you see these people who are refusing to get vaccinated for whatever reason? And not the, I'm not talking about people who have health conditions, but there are a lot of people for a variety of reasons that are just digging in and saying they're not going to do it. Is that frustrating for you as someone who wants to see things get back to some semblance of normal? No, because I'm not, I mean, I, I don't want to pass any value judgments, you know, I mean, you know, I, I feel like that there is definitely, uh, you know, uh, you know, some, a lot of misinformation, there's a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of false narratives. Um, it doesn't frust- frustrate me as much as it saddens me, to be honest with you. I mean, I just, I just think that uh, it shouldn't be a polarizing, uh, it shouldn't be a polarizing subject, it should be something that we can all agree on that you know we want our communities to to go, get back to normal we want to reduce you know the suffering and unnecessary suffering and and uh, possible death of our of our co-workers of our families and so to me it's just doesn't make a whole lot of sense but uh you know I'm, I'm i'm you know a little frustrated that missouri has become kind of a hot spot and that we are that we are portrayed in the in the media and in the world as you know this sort of backward place because we are not. Uh, but uh, you know when you look at the map of uh, of the recent surge, you see you know big red uh, right you know smack in the middle of, of Missouri or big you know uh, it, it you know you, you don't feel proud of that right. You just you just hope that people will be more uh, you know empathetic towards their neighbors, towards their coworkers. Um, you just, you know, all you can do is wish. <laughs> so, all right. Well, Ben Paramba, thank you so much for joining us once again. Owner of the restaurant group is called Benjolina. The restaurant you've probably heard of down in South City, Olio, Elia, Nixta, and the Benevolent King are under that umbrella. And the new rule with those restaurants is, if you don't have a vaccination, you'll be asked to please eat on the patio. They are not going to allow indoor dining for those who are not vaccinated. And so, Ben, thank you so much for joining us here on KMOX. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. And it's 845. All the news and all that matters to you. The voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Eight fifty in the evening on a Thursday night, KMOX at your service. I'm George Sells. You'd normally be hearing Cardinal baseball in this slot, but they have a much-needed night off. Boy, it would have been a terrible day to have a day game today, wouldn't you think? Ugh, hot out there. But uh, that's going to change soon. Some storms supposedly rolling in. Right now, it's still, at least looking out the window, our window on the world here at KMOX, it's looking like it's just still a steamy night out there at this point. So we'll get some rain, and then tomorrow it'll be nice, and looks like the weekend will be pretty decent too. So something to look forward to. A break in the heat will be very nice. So there was a different kind of storm, a Twitter storm, out of the mayor's office over the last couple of hours. Not the kind where people are calling each other names and arguing. This one actually looks very pre-planned. It has lots of uh, graphics to go along with it. Uh, mayor Tashara Jones marking her 
first hundred days with a series of tweets talking about accomplishments. And uh, I'm just going to zip through them here. Give us a call if you have any thoughts on the mayor's first hundred days, 314-436-7900. Talks about the budget as a moral document and initiating victim support programs and uh, supportive reentry. It talks about uh, creating new youth programming sites for the summertime. Criminal justice reform. Of course, the workhouse has been quite the debate over the last, goodness, a few years, really. Uh, she did what she said she was going to do and closed out the workhouse and zeroed out the budget. Now, was that the right idea? There are plenty of people who would argue that, but that was what she ran on. That's what she was elected on, and she did do that. And then uh, equitable development, redirecting $1.8 million to affordable housing trust fund and North St. Louis development. And there was a one specific case in there where we heard about uh, the folks at the, the foundry, that new uh, complex that was built along Highway 40 in Midtown. And the mayor, through some negotiation, through what some would say a little bit of strong arming, uh, held their tax breaks up until they agreed to make an investment in North St. Louis, which they did. Some people did not care for the way that went down, but it, it solved or it addressed something that the mayor was looking to address. And I don't think anybody would argue that development in North City is something that should have been a priority for some time, and it is finally taking a little bit of shape between NGA, of course, which is the big, huge thing, uh, but there's a lot more to do in the northern part of our city when it comes to that sort of thing, and that was what Mayor Jones worked on. And uh, went through a number of other things, uh, talking about public safety, uh, ensuring independent investigations of the police, and uh, gets into $2.7 million to boost vaccination efforts and to keep families in their homes. Those are two things, of course, that are going to come up with the eviction moratorium nationally ending on Saturday. That looks like it's going to happen at this point, and that's going to be a major issue. And, of course, the vaccination situation has been ongoing. And uh, Mayor Jones actually spoke to St. Louis Talks today and talked about pop-up vaccination clinics that she's planning on putting some money toward. For example, we just last Friday, we were at Farragut Elementary with our mobile vaccination unit and our volunteer doctors and nurses giving out vaccines as people received resources um, from a resource fair that was hosted by Representative Kimberly Ann Collins. And um, we had several people uh, get back, get their first shot that day. And of course, that's been an ongoing thing. The Not everybody who is not vaccinated is a anti-vaccine person necessarily. There are cases of people who are just you know, the hard-to-reach communities, usually living in poverty. Uh, they were really the same people that the census was targeting to try to get a hold of. And they can be in a variety of places. They can be in the inner city. They can be in those urban areas that are having a lot of trouble. They can also be in rural areas. Uh, there are a lot of people living in deep poverty in rural places who maybe would be willing to get a, a vaccine if they had access to one. Not as easy as it sounds sometimes, and there are a lot of uh, variants as far as that goes. So Mayor Tashara Jones, you can check it out on her Twitter page if you want to uh, see it for yourself and draw your own conclusions as far as what you think here is the good stuff, what you think here 
maybe is being spun a little bit. Depends on how you look at it, obviously, and I'm sure that uh, she'll be having conversations about this with some of her critics in the coming days, particularly uh, Board Pre- Alderman President Lewis Reed, because they have not been seeing eye to eye on much. It is 8.55 in downtown St. Louis. More to come at KMOX at your service.